Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. how we actually met yeah which uh, I still don't know how I feel about that that was why I didn't tell you for a year <laughs> we just finished our book it's not me it's you and Vanessa is going to read a chapter from it and as she reads I will stop her and interrupt in- me and interject inter- interrogate is the word Also, I'm not just going to read a chapter from the book because you don't want to hear that. That's lame. Um, So I'm going to start with the part with part one, um, which is about how we met. And we call this uh, part one, surviving the collision. And the first part is finally. And by the way, if you're listening to this, well, of course you're listening to this. (laughs) But if you're, are you thinking, oh, we don't give a fuck how you guys met? Teach me something. Well, there, we use our story as a jumping off point, and then there's, there are lessons in our stories. So we're, we're hopefully we're not just fluffing our own pillow. Yeah, I don't. Is that from the fifties? I don't know, but I like it. I think I just made it up. <laughs> Here we go. I've only had a handful of knowings, an immediate, deep sense in my body and my soul that I am on the right path, or something is truly meant. One of those knowings was that John and I would be together. When people ask how we met, I still very assuredly reply, I manifested him. People are rolling their eyes. That's fine. They can roll their eyes. What I realize now is that my knowings don't always include all of the important information, like if things will be easy or feel good or how long they will last. One of my best friends turned me on to John's Instagram account months prior to actually meeting him. She had been following him for some time and resonated with a lot of what he was talking about on his platform. He came up occasionally in my feed, but to be completely honest, I never paused much other than to like something or reshare it if it spoke to me. However, for some reason, on one particular day, after reading one particular post of his, I stopped and went deeper. I wish I could remember what the post actually said, but it caused me to go to John's page and start scrolling through. I clicked through images and quotes, read a few of his blogs, listened to him speak in a few videos, and I felt something. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what or why John stirred something in me in that moment, I was coming out the other side of a bout of depression after a breakup that really shook me to my core. It was the first time I had experienced depression. I had known sadness and grief, longing and regret, but whenever others, even clients, had described depression, I hadn't been able to truly feel into what they meant. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. When you came across or you were already following me, um, you didn't really notice me by your follow. It wasn't until your friend pointed something out or, or no. something or was it after you were you were reading some of my stuff because there was a period where uh i was coming up on your feed but i was just another person on your feed you, yeah. you like you didn't notice me yeah there wasn't it was you were like somebody in wellness that i followed that danae had you know sent me your info or whatever so your attraction <laughs> wasn't coming from um an aesthetic i think he's attractive it's it was coming from more of like going deeper and then some kind of feeling underneath. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Like, I had been following you for a while, but like it's, like you said, you were just kind of somebody in my feed. I mean, of course I thought you were attractive, but it just was not, it wasn't on my radar. You weren't on my radar. 
Um, and then I don't know. I wish I remembered what the post was, but you wrote something and I just kind of remember I stopped and I read it and it like hit me. What does it take for someone to be on your radar? <laughs> a lot. A lot? <laughs> like what? I don't know. What do you mean? Like on my romantic radar? Uh, any, I mean, well, what, what person would come across your feed and you would actually would notice that person without uh, doing the deep dive? Um, I have always said that passion is my biggest aphrodisiac. So I'm I'm guessing based on that knowing that I have of myself that there was something about something you wrote or it was a video or something. Well, it probably wasn't even a video because back then there was like only some videos. Um, that if Jared if J- Jared Leto, I almost said Jay Leno. Uh, I said Jay Leno before. I had that's the wrong person. If Jared Leto came came across your feed, you wouldn't have to go deep into his post. No, I always stop and always like everything. Right. So that is someone that comes across your radar and you stop because of because he's sexy. his eyes or he's sexy or whatnot. That was not the case for me. And that's okay. Okay, moving on. I like how you interrupted my talking about the first time I ever had depression to talk about yourself and why I stopped and looked at and noticed you. Do you notice that you did that? Yeah, but everything doesn't have to be therapeutic. I'm just going with the flow I'm and just whatever saying, I did. I was in this like deep part and you interrupted to talk about that. No, you you I interrupted because it seemed like you needed to stop because you don't want to just keep reading because you think it's gonna be boring. You did it for me. I did it for us. <laughs> Okay, so back to my depression. Um, it was the first time I experienced depression, blah, blah, blah. I read that part already. Um, but the few months leading up to this rediscovery of John's Instagram page had been rough. Not getting off the couch or wanting to see anyone, barely eating or working out. I was in the throes of a massive reconciliation of what it meant to continually date in a state of projection. Can one argue that because you were coming out of an expired relationship and you were depressed about it that um, you were possibly on the rebound no because i wasn't coming out of a relationship and i wasn't depressed about it i was coming out of a depression about a relationship that had already expired once before so there's difference there's nuance in the timing of that meaning dating someone because of who they could be Choosing not to see red flags because it didn't fit into the narrative of them or us that I had constructed in my head, or falling in love with who I thought they were and not seeing them for the messy and complicated human being that they actually were. I had clawed my way through the past few months and was finally in a place of recognizing my pattern and committing to changing it. I shared John's post with that same best friend via direct message. My message to her read, I find this guy to be incredibly attractive. From what I can tell, he's single, lives in LA, and we have a mutual friend. I'm going to date him. Her response, ha, yeah, okay, he has like 70,000 followers. You're going to date him, huh? To which I replied, yep. <laughs> this is a true story, guys. Wait, so, oh, so you knew I had a mutual friend through, the, through Instagram? Yeah. Because it shows you who that mutual yeah, friend yeah. is. So is that why you called Jason? Or no. you wanted to catch up with him anyway? No, no. So here's the crazy thing. So a major synchronistic detail that possibly fueled my confidence was that I had already had time on my calendar to go hiking with our mutual friend, Jason. So I decided to ask him about John. As Jason and I were hiking and talking about my recent move to LA and my career transition, my intention was to bring John up to him and ask him to pass along my number. But before I ever got the chance to say anything, Jason looked at me and said, I have this friend that I feel like you really get along with. He's on Instagram as the angry therapist. I played it cool. Oh? 
I don't think I know him. You know, it's almost like you have this intention and you're watching it happen without having to even do any work. Yeah. That's why I always say I manifested you. When people say how we met, I say I manifested you because you were like there, but not really there. And then for some reason, one day I had some kind of feeling and I went to your page and I was just like looking at you going, I'm going to date this person. And I told my friend that. And I already had time on the calendar with our mutual friend. And then I never said anything to him. And he brought you up to me. It was it was wild. Yeah. I never. So for the next 20 minutes, Jason described him to me. Before I agreed that he could pass along my number, I did have one thing I needed to know for sure. Does he date white girls? An odd question, I know. But my recent breakup that left my heart broken and me struggling to get off the couch was with a man that told me five months into dating pretty seriously that he didn't see a future with me because I was white. And while I respected and understood his connection to his culture, I was still healing from that experience and didn't want to get hurt again in the same way. Jason said he would check with John and would give him my number in the meantime. What's really funny is he literally came out to me and said, do you date white girls? I mean, it was just a copy and paste. I would think... Some context would have been nice, I'm sure. Yeah, or you didn't have to say literally he could have been like, you know, hey, by the what kind of date girls do you date? Yeah. What do you have a preference? What's your type? But he just came straight up to me and said, Do you date white girls? I was like, What the fuck? Which is like so um offensive almost without context around it. Like what Well <laughs> then he under- said You have to understand our friend though, like Jason is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I don't. There's no offense taken. I, I, I mean, I, you know, he's a he's a sweetheart. Now, but then he also said, "Do you date therapists?" After that, and I was like, "I don't just date therapists, white therapists." <laughs> anyway, that night, so that same night, John texted. I was sitting on my yoga mat, about to go into class. My heart skipped. It was really crazy to me how this whole thing had gone down. I've always been known as someone who makes things happen. Once I set my mind on something, it usually becomes mine, if only because of my focus and determination, but this felt bigger than my tenacity. This felt like there were larger things at play that I couldn't see or understand. Do you feel like you manifested this book <clears throat> or no? Mm. Or, or is this book a part of your manifestation? So you manifesting b- being with me, you know, being one of the domino pieces that led to then our story, and then I was deciding to write something together. Sure. I mean, it's all connected, <clears throat> right? It's all like pieces of the same puzzle. I feel like I'm being interviewed right now. <laughs> I just realized that. It's so much better without microphones and headsets. Yeah, we're, we're on our couch with John's phone. This feels like back in the day when we had um, in college, you would take out a tape recorder, tape recorder yeah. with the, the, a little mini tape and you would press record and you would actually record the the lecture um, instead mm-hmm. of taking notes. I didn't do that, but yeah, I know people that did. <laughs> that was my time. 1992, baby. What's up? I was eight. I was in college. It was abundantly clear from our very first date that John possessed something that I had never found in another man. I had dated men who were self-aware-ish, men who meditated and took care of themselves, men who talked the talk. But John looked at me in a way that disarmed me. He looked at me like he was really listening, like he was invested in understanding this dynamic, digging deeper, exploring if this was something more than just attraction, and like he was just as interested in breaking old patterns and changing how he participated in relationships as I was. All from a look? No. I said more than a look, didn't I? I said you possess something. 
No, you, you, you said you noticed these things from the way that I looked at you. No. And I meant like all from, all from a look or? Not from the way you looked at me. I said he looked at me like he was really listening. Okay, maybe I wrote that wrong. I'll, re- I'll rewrite that part. We were both therapists who had a hunger for dissecting relationships and the human experience. And that gave us a connection that I hadn't experienced with anyone prior. When we talked, we dipped so swiftly below our outer layers and into our core selves that I could have stayed in that depth of connection forever. I'd like to say from that point forward, it was a storybook romance, but it wasn't. It was the hardest first few months of a relationships, relationship I've ever had. I don't think we had a honeymoon phase because John spent most of that time doubting the relationship and I spent most of it deciding if this was worth fighting for. To clarify, I mean, I guess it's fair to say that um, I was doubting the relationship. I, I mean, I, I don't think I was doubting it. Um, I was, what I was doubting was if I wanted to be in a relationship. So it, it wasn't so much that I was doubting um, Vanessa. I mean, we we just met, so I, I didn't have enough information. You know, I was down to explore. What I was doubting was um, I, I was, uh, quote unquote, single on purpose at the time. And I, I was doubting if I wanted to um, be in a relationship and this felt like this was going to be a relationship. This didn't feel like it was going to be like um, a, a casual fling or anything like that. And by the way, I haven't had many of those. So, I mean, kind of, I was th- thirsty for something like that, but I, but uh, Vanessa was not. And that's where the uh, tension grew in the early days or the beginning. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to say about that. That's true. Four months in, He asked me to come with him on a semi-work trip to Costa Rica. He wanted to travel and spend time together. And after him going through a few cycles of doubting us and pulling away, leaving me to feel not chosen, he was finally choosing me by asking me to come with him on this trip, right? I felt like maybe this invitation was him coming around and deciding he did really want me, want us. So I went, even with all of my doubts and insecurities still fully present. And bam. The same cycle of him appearing to choose me and then changing his mind happened again. Right in the middle of the trip, he emotionally bailed. He got weird, he pulled inside, and couldn't have made it more obvious that he did not want me or want to be with or around me. I hit my emotional breaking point. I broke down as he talked to me about his not knowing about us. It was the first time I had cried in front of him, and I remember remember very clearly telling him through tears that we should break up. I spent the following morning in a hammock overlooking the jungle treetops on WhatsApp with two of my friends who were a world away from me, dissecting the situation. Fuck him. I'm so over this shit. When we get back, I'm done with this relationship. I'm done with him. I remember my friend, who was the one who had initially connected me to his IG, expressing such disappointment that who he portrayed himself to be was not who he really seemed to be. Wait, can I stop you real quick? I don't know if that is fair all encapsulated into that one trip that who I portrayed to be like online is the rest of it though. I mean, this is also my experience. I mean, this was, I don't know that it's fair. I don't think I'm saying it's fair, but I'm thinking I'm saying this was my, my experience at the time. Right. I got it. I cannot believe he got you all the way out there where you're completely isolated and then dropped this bomb. Fuck him. After some more fuck hymns were exchanged and agreed upon and the tears were wiped away, I breathed deeply and went to go shower. We still had four days left on the trip. Oh, you were the one saying fuck him, not your friends. No, they were too. So everyone was saying this is like a... a <laughs> this was a threesome party of fuck Johns. <laughs> it wasn't a threesome party. It was like a, a jumping into... It was like, um, what was it called when you get jumped? I got jumped <laughs> by you and you, all your friends. Everyone's saying fuck him. You got WhatsApp jumped. That's right. 
In those four days, I did what I always do. I compartmentalized it all, put a smile on my face to make sure no one felt like they needed to take care of me or would even notice that I was hurting. And we finished the trip without any more apparent conflict. You know, you know what I, uh, you, uh, and you know, my memory is really bad. So I, I, I'm going to trust your, your memory more. I remember you cried. And I remember we talked a little bit about it, but I don't remember you telling me like putting all, like I I think you did put on a um a smile and 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 we moved on with the trip you you didn't um tell me where you were at and why and what you wanted I don't think you told me what you wanted I think you were, I mean you were out, you were visibly upset but I don't think you told me what you wanted I don't think I felt safe enough to tell you what I wanted. I think you made it very clear, at least to me at that time, mm. what you did or didn't want. And so there wasn't really, I didn't feel like there was much room for me to say what I wanted at that time. And also I was like alone in another country without support. Like I, I was just kind of like compartmentalized, like go about your day. Can you do that sound again? <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Sound again. I think even early on, um, I noticed that we were different in many ways. You know, maybe love languages and some other things. Maybe that was part of it. Anyway. It was on that trip that all of my projections started dissolving in front of my eyes in real time. I was struck with the intense realization that perhaps I had put John on a pedestal because he was a therapist who wrote about himself and relationships in a deep way. He talked like he knew things. What was he showing me in real life? He was just another guy who had intimacy issues and hadn't worked through his bullshit. Remember, this is my experience at the time. Another guy who said one thing but did another. Another guy who talked a big game about the work he had done, but when it came time to put it into practice, he hid behind his past and his fear. He made me feel like he didn't want me, and I tried to convince him that he did, all the while convincing myself that being with someone like him was the answer. During that Costa Rica trip, I realized I was furious with him and embarrassed with myself for assuming this would be different just because he was a therapist. I could like, because you're saying this is my, through my experience, um, as I'm listening to you, I'm trying to like put myself in your shoes and I could see how different it must have been for you, especially coming off of what you came off of. So, I mean, I I could see how um, by what you're taking in, I I was false advertising or I was someone that didn't hold up or wasn't who I um, portrayed because of my ambivalence, because, you know, all, all the stuff that you were, the, I mean, your experience of me. Mm-hmm. And also, by the way, um, this sounds like an episode of Sex in the City. It sounds like... Uh, like I'm Carrie Bradshaw writing about yeah, <laughs> Mr. Big. As you were... As you were um, Reading this, I was like, this sounds like uh, Carrie Bradshaw Bradshaw writing um, one of her articles about this date she went on in Costa Rica. Anyway. <laughs> that was a, that was my section. It's the it's the cliffhanger opening. Yes. Well, there's a little sneak peek of our book. <laughs> and um, our book is long. I mean, so this is the longest book I've ever um written but this is also the first time i've ever uh co-authored a book it's close to 300 300 pages hey can i ask you how is that for you to hear what section 
you know, so, you know, we've talked about this many times and... Um, you mean the story we've talked about many times? Yes. Yeah. But I think this is the first time, because I'm here listening to you, um, it's the first time that I, I, I really um, was able to put myself in your shoes and take in what it must have been like for you. Because before when we've had these conversations, I would have a lot of... Um, but or this is where I was at or what don't why'd you take it personally or I wanted to be seeing or whatever it was um but this is the first time I can see from your perspective how unsafe the situation slash I was and and and, and that's why you're not going to be vulnerable or, or tell me you know um what what you want that being said going back to how this episode started the uh, 60 seconds of behind the scenes of us um, talking about what this episode would be about. Uh, you, you said that you hid something for a year. What well, exactly did you hide? Because I you, don't think you, that I hid it. Like I, when I look back now, it was kind of like a running joke with my friends that like I had hid the reality of how we met because it was almost like lying by omission. Like you were but like, oh. why would you hide that? Cause it's interesting. I didn't know. Um, well, I didn't hide it cause you knew that Jason hooked us up, which was true. Mm-hmm. I didn't hide the first part, which was like the seeing on Instagram and kind of having this knowing the reason why I hid it is because I didn't want you to think that I was some kind of like fangirl who had like weirdly orchestrated some kind of meeting. And I needed to know you n- enough, I think to, I needed to like know you enough to know if you would be somebody who would understand this idea of like how the universe just unfolded it for sure. us. Sure. Um, I think if you said that when we met, then it runs the possibility of me thinking. I would have been like single white female. Yeah, yeah I get it. But <laughs> after a year. Well, it just didn't feel like there was ever an appropriate time. And then suddenly there was. And I was like, let me tell you a funny story. <laughs> well, now I'm wondering what else is she not telling me? the baby's crying well that's our cue thank you for listening (laughs) and uh we hope um you pick up the book we're super excited about it it should be out this year and now we're going into um editing and book covers uh and then soon we will be in a recording studio doing what vanessa just did but for four days in a row doing the audiobook thank you for listening you all Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support, and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.